first edition of Star Wars Collectibles. This Monday, the saga continues with a two-hour anniversary special filled with collectibles and visits from Star Wars expert Steve Sansweet and award-winning fantasy artists Greg and Tim Hildebrand. It's all here during our Star Wars Collectibles Anniversary this Monday starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific on QVC. Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 238 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this is a special occasion. It's it's one of those episodes where lifelong dreams have come true. A very sweet, 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 sweet dream. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who are who am I to disagree about Steve? But back at <laughs> Celebration Chicago when we were in the Rancho Obi-Wan exhibit. Steve Sansweet was telling us how much fun he had talking to us about Celebration 1 shortly before that. And we were like, you know, we'd love to have you back on sometime and talk about your experience on the QVC Star Wars specials. And he's like, oh, and like rolled his eyes. and <laughs> But we never gave up. And for some strange reason, he agreed yeah, to talk to us about his experiences being the co-host on the QVC Star Wars specials, and I don't know, it yeah, it was a dream come true. It's so wonderful. Everything you've ever heard about Steve Sansweet being the most wonderful person in the world is true, and the fact that he was willing to take the time to talk to us about QVC nonsense is just the the greatest gift we could ever have hoped for, and uh, it turned out as wonderful as we imagined it would be. But before we get to that, I know Ewok Movie Month just ended last week, but it's October now. It's not October, Jason. It's Snoketober. So, Oktoberfest has its roots in Germany, and Snoketoberfest has its roots in Supreme Leader Snoke. And when you think of Oktoberfest, you think of beer. And when you think of Snoke, now you think of pickles. And in Germany, they like to pickle their vegetables, too. So it kind of works hand in hand. Snoketoberfest, Oktoberfest, 
pickles, pickled snokes. It's all the same thing. Yeah, so this episode has a side order of pickled snokes in honor of our rich tradition of Snoketoberfest. And, uh, and just, just like all the previous years of Snoketoberfest, we're going to have the, the Snoke line of the week. So I wonder what the Snoke line of the week this week could be. I wonder, is there a new one? Hmm. 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 You have ever heard. You know, I was just thinking, we all assume that the Snokes in jars are being pickled, but those could have just been big vats of beer. And maybe, and maybe Snoke isn't being pickled. He just keeps crawling into the vat of beer to drink it and falling in and drowning. And really, the Snoke from Last Jedi and Force Awakens was the only Snoke who they kept from falling into the vat of beer. So, again, Snoketoberfest, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, so, I don't know, I can't, I can't wait with the, uh, the, then hear what the next Snoke line of the week next week is going to be. It's Snoketoberfest, and if anything, you know, after... He died in Last Jedi. The next year, we thought, hey, he's dead. We can't have Snoketoberfest. But we said, you know what? Screw it. Let's keep having Snoketoberfest. And if Rise of Skywalker did anything right, it was to remind us that Snoke never dies and Snoketoberfest can live forever. As long as there's big vats of beer and or pickling juice, Snoketoberfest survives. Snoketoberfest. Watch QVC and shop by phone. Great gifts for every special occasion are right at your fingertips. Gifts for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, and graduations. For all your gift-giving needs, and all with the low QVC prices you'll appreciate so much. Tune in every Sunday for the QVC gift shop and discover the quality, value, and shop by phone convenience of QVC, the new way of shopping. Let's get on to the interview we did with the wonderful Mr. Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah, talking all about the QVC specials of the 90s. Yeah, this is a real treat. We're real happy to make this happen. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's play that right now. All right, so folks, we are honored once again to be joined by the president and CEO of the wonderful Rancho Obi-Wan and the Jedi Master... Mr. Steve Sansweet. Steve, thank you so much for being with us tonight. My pleasure, guys. It's, uh, it's always fun. Yeah, we are talking all about one of our favorite subjects, the 90s QVC Star Wars specials. We have very, very, very special memories, as most people listening know, of watching you along with Steve Bryant hosting those very special nights where, where you spotlighted some very special Star Wars collectibles and talked Star Wars and took phone calls from fans. And back when home shopping was literally picking up your phone, but your phone was not a tiny computer connected to the Internet. I don't remember any of this stuff, so I'm sorry. So it's been nice talking to you. No. Uh. <laughs> so the very first Star Wars QVC special was October 28th, 1992, with Mark Hamill and Steve Bryant. So 
where were you in 92? Let's go back. And were you, were you watching it live while it was on it on the air? I absolutely was. You have to remember, those were the dark days. What I called in one book, the interregnum, using a fancy word that uh, comes from British history, between the times. So there was practically no Star Wars merchandise being sold in the stores or online. I mean, I can remember a a pewter chess set from uh, uh, one of the mail order houses and not some Franklin mint stuff, but not much else. And you could go into a Toys R Us or a, even a Target back then at Walmart. There, there, was, there were just no Star Wars toys on the shelves. And so I read about this uh, QVC special coming up and I was very excited and um, so, yeah, I was there at the uh, in 1992 and uh, watching my TV. And, of course, it was made even better by uh, Mark Hamill being on there. And that uh, was a very exciting evening. I bought my phony film clip um, suspenders, tie, and I think they even sold a belt made of a plastic strip that would immediately tear but had imprinted on it films what what was supposed to be film strips i mean it was the tackiest thing in of all the qvc merchandise over all that period of time that that show was on they started out with the tackiest thing imaginable (laughs) and i bought it (laughs) did yours survive do you still have one Oh yeah, because I never wore them. I'm well. Who could wear them? I mean, it would be too embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, it was it was a fun show, and um, I think they had they probably had something autographed from Mark on there. Do you guys remember what was on there? Yeah, there were there was like uh, there was the VHS box set, the the ninety two one. There were of course the the hologram watches, which. I know I I had a Yoda and I had a Boba Fett hologram watch. Those were all the rage. There were, of course, photo plaques, and the I wasn't the one of the final items sold was was your book from concept from to screen to collectible, right? Yes, I think it was on the first show. It was on the first show or the second show. All I know is I called in and and got Steve Bryant on the air. When I called in, it was to one of those people who take your order. And I said, well, I've got some things I want to order, but can I talk to the host? I was the one who wrote that book that you're that he's selling. <laughs> this, uh, so uh, I was very excited about that, and I got to chat with him a bit, and he was he knew who I was, and, and that was a lot of fun, and that sort of established our relationship, um, at least on the phone. And uh, little did I know how this would develop that uh, over – I once counted it up, and over the period from, I think my first show was in 93 or 94, it was the fourth show, I think. So it may have it may have been 94. I'm not totally sure. But until 1999, I did about 50 hours worth of QVC televised programming. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's almost a series, guys. Yeah. Lucy beat me, but not by much. <laughs> any chance of that going to Disney Plus at this point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
if they had a channel for the worst of Star Wars, we could we could air the Star Wars holiday special every other hour and then put in QVC programming in between. Because you, not that it was bad programming, you, you just wouldn't be able to buy anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so how did how did what was the process then from you're you're sitting there with a bowl of popcorn calling in? How did then you end up being a, a co-host on the show? Well, at the time, my full-time job was bureau chief uh, in the Los Angeles office of the Wall Street Journal. But I had written my first Star Wars book, From Concept to Screen to Collectible, which was for sale on the show. And I was working on the, the first Tomark guide to Star Wars collectibles with my friends in Cincinnati, the Tomark guides. Tom Tomark and his son... So I think it was a result of that. And, of course, Lucasfilm knew me both from my my journalistic experience and working on I was up at Skywalker Ranch a bunch because of the first book. I had interviewed George for a couple of hours um, uh, for the first book. It was really the first book about Star Wars collectibles. And a lot of people praise me or more actually blame me for starting them along the road of Star Wars collecting. I get a lot of uh, a lot of spouses especially. So you're the one. <laughs> Damn you. The show was actually packaged by an outside company in New Jersey called Scoreboard. And they did a lot of sports memorabilia shows. That's what they were very successful with on QVC, you know, the Baseball autographs and cards and bats and sign this and sign that. Out of the blue, I get a call from them, and they said that they had talked to Lucasfilm, and would I be interested in appearing on the show in order to sell the Tomart guide? So I'm, I mean, that's that's my memory that I went on to sell something, but they said. We'd like to have you on for most of the show or the whole show. And they offered me a nice fee and uh, business class uh, travel to Philadelphia, where I'm from, from Los Angeles. And so I got to see my family. Um, it was it was a wonderful gig while it lasted, and it lasted until 1999. And um, I was on almost all of the main nighttime two-hour specials. I did some overnight specials and like at 1 or 2 a.m., I remember. So uh, those were a little strange. We did a live Halloween show uh, from the little auditorium that they had there, and somebody had driven in from Chicago to be on this live QVC show. Uh, it was, I mean, but this was the only thing going back then for Star Wars, and there hadn't been any announcements about even the special editions at that point, early on anyway, and certainly not the prequels, so all this was to come later. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Steve Bryan is a huge Star Wars geek, and um, we got together and got along very well. It was uh, it was it was a wonderful wonderful job. I did make a mistake, or they they said something that wasn't quite um, didn't quite go over very well with my uh, with my bosses. And that was when they introduced me on the show. They introduced me as the Wall Street Journal Los Angeles bureau chief. 
And I got some uh, feedback on that when I went back to work. And they said, um, we're not very happy that they introduced you as the Wall Street Journal Los Angeles bureau chief, because that sort of imputes uh, some whatever. And I said, well, you don't have any problem when our Washington bureau chief goes on Washington Week in Review. And they said, that's a little different. <laughs> and I allowed as how I could understand that that was a little different. Um, so we never introduced me as a Wall Street Journal person after that. But by 1996, I had left the journal, and early in 96, I started working for Lucasfilm for 15 years. So that was the end of the problem. But it was, um, it was a wonderful experience, and uh, I learned very quickly that, um, that one of the things that would be a big help is if they had gotten a list to me in advance of the items that were for sale. And sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And sometimes I just didn't know what the items were, even though it was written down. I mean, there was in the early days, especially, there was a lot of autograph stuff. They, they would get the photos and put them on the plaques and charge 90 or 100 or a little more for those. And uh, I think we had Mark and Carrie and and probably some more. And yeah, I'm sure there was uh, there was C3PO and probably R2D2. Um, so we'd get Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels to sign. I think Anthony was on a show or two. But so there were a lot of those things. And then they started to develop product like. Um, these trading cards that were coated in a very thin layer of 18 karat gold. Yes. Yes. And I mean, very valuable. I mean, you know what the price of gold is now, if you could find those cards today and scrape them off, I think you'd probably get about 10 cents in gold value. out. <laughs> and that's all of them, not just one. <laughs> There was one time when they asked me, and I really didn't want to do it, but I did. They asked me if I would call Al Williamson because he was very reluctant to sign. They had come up with a cache of Marvel Treasury comics, the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, and they wanted Al to sign the cover, and therefore they could make more money on the thing. And as it turns out, they weren't offering him a whole lot of money to do it, and I don't remember what it was. He certainly told me what it was, and he wasn't very happy about it. And I said, Al, would you just sort of take one for the team? And he did. And so eventually I started bringing Lucasfilm content to the show. You know, that would involve trailers when they would do a new VHS release or a, a DVD release or there would be a new uh, video game coming out. And as we got closer to the special edition, um, and that was one of the reasons I was hired at Lucasfilm was to go around the country and talk up the special editions. It was uh, definitely a, a one-year-only job. I, <laughs> I, I left a 26-year career in journalism at the Wall Street Journal as head of the L.A. Bureau, which had peaked at about 18 reporters, to join Lucasfilm as Star Wars ambassador. <laughs> I should have had somebody test my cognitive powers at that time. 
and uh, try to figure out whether I was still sane or not. But I followed my bliss, and I was—I had been working on the, the first Star Wars encyclopedia at the time and finding it very difficult to get enough time to do that. And the job was going out on weekends, leaving on a Friday, going around the country, and eventually uh, I went ar- around the world going to fan conventions at colleges, Comic-Cons in cities, and the U.S. and Canada, eventually Spain, Mexico, and Finland, and Germany, and it was was a great job, and the the one-year job lasted 15 years, so um, I never regretted that, but I'm sure part of that was not only the fact that I had written some of the Star Wars books, but the fact that they saw me on QVC and saw that I was a pretty good spokesman for Star Wars. And so I think that uh, that sort of helped. When QVC started putting the shows together itself, it was a, a slightly different, uh, slightly different atmosphere. I started working with there was somebody at Lucasfilm who was in charge of working with retail accounts, and she she started working closely with QVC in order to give them, um, because at, at that point, by 94, 95, 96, um, manufacturers started getting back in. Hasbro came back with the, the first new action figures in 1995. Of course, in 94, we can't forget the most exciting collectible of all. The Bendems. <laughs> no. Yes, but everybody remembers the Bendems. You can never forget the Bendems. Well, we were so excited by the Bendems because it was the first taste of something in a, in a Star Wars in a, in a store that I remember being excited by the fact that Walmart had different packaging. The, the plastic bubbles on the card were shaped differently. So you had to get the full set of the Walmart package versions as well as the other ones. Oh, goodness gracious. I haven't seen a Bendem in 25 years, I think. You, you don't have a you don't have a Bendem wing of Rancho Obi Wan. Well, we do. I just don't go to it. <laughs> They're there someplace. I just haven't seen them for quite a while. It was um, it was a lot of fun, and we developed, as I said, developed a great relationship with Steve Bryant. There were some other people who we did the shows with, who one or two of whom weren't, shall we say, huge Star Wars fans, and they sort of gamely did the shows but the most fun i had was with steve and that was that was always a great time i was always looking and trying to make recommendations for items that could possibly be sold and i think one of our sterling shows uh was when we introduced the uh non-post stormtrooper mannequins and the elusive concepts han and carbonite and these were giant pieces and not inexpensive to ship. But on that first show with the um, with the stormtroopers, I think we sold somewhere between five and eight of them at five thousand dollars a piece, wow. which wow. was not your usual price point for Star Wars stuff on QVC. So people were very excited by that. A good show would sell about would sell several million dollars worth of product in the two-hour period. And based on the 
fairly low price point, that means that they had to sell quite a bit. Um, the stage was set. We by by '97 we got a a Star Wars set um, that was actually put together uh, by QVC. It was very cool. It used a Han carbonite as a centerpiece and uh, posters from the uh, special edition. That was the set that we did. We used for several years. Mostly women on the phones were in front of us, so we'd be in the same big soundstage, and they would be uh, taking orders. So there would be times when there would be something that I really wanted. I mean, because I wanted this stuff, too, but I didn't have the chance to call in because I was on the set. So occasionally I would be able to slip away because I knew there would be a three-minute video from Lucasfilm and go down to one of the ladies who wasn't on the phone and say, take my order. Take my order now. <laughs> I've got to get this. And I remember missing out on an uncut tops sheet of 3D cards, which sold. They only had like 120 of them, and they went like, wow, like gangbusters. So I, I learned that in the future I had to tell my mother, who was watching the show at home in Philadelphia, what I wanted and have her call for me. <laughs> this was a very complex situation. We had to have logistics here. Wow. So, um, but, uh, but that worked out very well. So was that kind of what you were saying earlier, where sometimes you would be hosting the show and you wouldn't know what the products were until they brought them out? Or did you at least know before the cameras were rolling what was going to be for sale that evening? I would get there about two hours before the show. This was in a suburb of Philadelphia. I would then, they would take me through the show. They would show me the products that they had ready to put out. And sometimes there would be, I don't remember specifically, but sometimes there would be a mistake in the cards and they would, they would have some sort of error in the description that was sort of an in-fantasy error. You know, Han Solo flying his X-Wing fighter. Uh, right. It wasn't quite that bad, but... Because Steve Bryant would have caught that. But there were some things like that, that that I caught. And then I can remember seeing some things and saying, you're not really going to sell that, are you? <laughs> and, and they sold out. So <laughs> you never knew what was going to be good and what was going to be bad. The, the great thing was to sell stuff out. They do. Steve Fansweet, welcome back to QVC. Pleasure to be here, Steve. Stephen is an author of some of the best-selling Star Wars books around. He's also one of the most noted collectors of Star Wars memorabilia on the face of the planet. You even have, uh, you have like original uniforms and all sorts of oh, things. Oh, all that good junk down <laughs> in my basement. Absolutely. It's fun. It's fun. And this has become a phenomenon because as we approach the 20th anniversary, and Lucas is starting, the, they're starting to announce plans for the, the new trilogy, if you would, he said he's going to shoot them all together. Right. We have a, a lot to talk about concerning that. But at the moment, almost 100 of you have dialed in now just in this hour for C-15-624, a set of three Star Wars scripts. And this is everything. I remember when we did the Tomar Price Guide for the first time, we had 2,000 signed copies 
of the uh, price guide. And I had gone to Cincinnati where Tom Tombush was based and his publishing company was based. He was doing the Tomart action figure digest at the time. And he flew me to Cincinnati to sign the covers, the inside covers, and along with his son, he brought out one of these heavy mailing carts, and it, it was a pile of just the uh, unproduced book cover. So the covers were flat because these these were glued together. It was a soft cover book, and very difficult to pry the cover open and sign it inside. I mean, it, that would have taken weeks, I think. Uh, I just... I just went crazy signing these damn things, and my my hand was starting to hurt and everything. Slowly but surely, we were getting through this pile of what looked like a million covers, and finally, we were getting to the end, and I said, okay, Tom, we did it, and this was after four or five hours, and he said, great, I'll bring in the next cart. (laughs) We had done a thousand of them in four or five hours, and there was one more cart with another thousand on it. And I said, "Okay, I think we'll go to dinner first, huh? <laughs> and then try to rest my hands." And but I was determined that you know we we spent the entire ten hours until we got them all signed because it was on a tight deadline. It was probably only two weeks before the show, and we had to ship them all to uh, Philadelphia, and then. There were certain parameters. They had to have whatever they were selling had to come from the manufacturer in a package. And so they they had a drop test because of uh, the mail and or U, UPS, however they were delivering these things. And so if a product didn't survive the drop test and there were some that didn't, it, it would not be sold on the show. So you had to get your packaged item there in enough time so they could do the drop test. And uh, I don't remember offhand what failed the drop test, but I think there were a couple of items that did and uh, never got sold. The, the, the beer steins passed the test, I guess. The beer steins must have been in uh, extra special packaging. I mean, <laughs> I, I think most manufacturers understand Things get roughed up, but I mean that includes books too, because you don't want the book spine damaged if it's going to fall. I mean, I think they they like got up ten feet and threw it off a balcony or something, and just like went wham, um, and then opened the package and saw how well it did. One of our favorite parts of the the QVC specials, and we tried to take part in it every time we watched it, were the phone calls from the fans of the folks buying stuff. Do you, looking back, do you, do you have any memories, special memories of some of your favorite fan phone calls? Because those we just loved them to death. Well, I remember, I remember enjoying them, and. You know, they they went to Steve, and then occasionally there would be people who wanted to ask me a question. They would ask me things like, um, you know, are you, are you coming to uh, Kalamazoo? <laughs> like, uh, well, you want to invite me? Um, they would ask me things about uh, about the story, about the movie. Um, and there were no uh, did Han shoot first questions at that point because the uh, damage hadn't been done yet. 
but by by 97 it had been there were some of those questions and what I thought I had to be very careful there because I I had just gotten my job renewed at Lucasfilm so (laughs) So, well from a certain point of view uh, but that was a fun part of the show talking to uh, talking to the fans who were calling up and a lot of them would be you know would be moms who were buying things for their sons and daughters and um, it was a nice surprise that there was uh, there were a fair number of women who were buying things for themselves because they were huge Star Wars fans. I mean, Star Wars for years got tabbed as, you know, oh, yeah, it's just guys who live in their mother's basements. And, I mean, that was always unfair and untrue. And it's taken until the last five to ten years to really get the the general public as as a whole, the smart general public, let's put it that way, to realize that that there are a lot of uh, women who are Star Wars fans too, and now women who are involved in making new Star Wars as not only uh, actors, but directors and writers and things of that nature. So that was uh, that was an early indication to me that um, that we we had a lot of uh, a lot of female fans and a lot of female collectors. Oh, yeah. So that was uh, that was fun. And then there would be there were a couple of newsletters that went to collectors and they would write up the QVC shows. So it would be fun because I subscribed to as many as I could find. And it would be fun reading the write-ups of what I had done. You know, they were reviewing my performance. So, <laughs> it was uh, it was great fun. Great fun. As we head to the phone lines, and I say hi. You're live on QVC with Stephen Sansweet. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Who's there, please? My name is Priscilla, and I'm calling from Chapachet, Rhode Island. Hello, Priscilla. How you doing? Hi. You're dialing in for what tonight? I ordered the script for my son for his birthday next Great. week. Great. What makes this a good gift for your son, Priscilla? My son and several, many of his friends have organized a club they call the Jedi Club. And they get together periodically, and they sit and spend the whole night, and they watch the trilogy one right after the other. Can I ask you how old he is? Uh, he's almost 20. Wow. <laughs> All right. So he, he has seen these in the theater, I guess. He saw them in the theater when he was a child, mm-hmm. and he, I bought him the set of three tapes for Christmas um, this past mm-hmm. Christmas. And so he and his oh. friends get together, and they, they pull what, what we used to call in college an all-nighter. And they just watch the uh, movies over and over again. And I think they probably know the dialogue as well as George <laughs> Lucas did. Well, it's almost like the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, yes. audiences when people mm-hmm. would throw popcorn and toasts and things like that. But everybody knows the dialogue almost. Oh, it's they really do. Such and a he, part of our culture. Yeah, so with the show, I mean, being filmed live, can you think of any, you know, just awkward situations or crazy stories that came up, came up just because of the nature of, of filming a live TV show like that? I can remember in the Halloween special when we did this live uh, studio audience show that um, there were some very, um, what's a pleasant word to use, unusual people in the audience. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, they... Um, it was, you know, how do we sort of work around getting some of these people on camera? I mean, they were they were fine and they were fans, but they were a little overzealous. <laughs> OK, 
<laughs> shall we say? Yeah. And so uh, we had to deal with uh, we had to deal with that. There would be times, and I I can't remember specific products, but there would be times that we, Steve would say, "Well, here's this thing," and the, the, the why don't you describe it, Steve? And I I wouldn't know what the hell to say <laughs> <laughs> because. It could have been something that was passed over before the show, and um, it was brought out, and it or it was a leftover from a previous show, and I, I just, well, it couldn't have been a leftover. It was something that was added at the last minute, and I didn't know what it was. And um, and then there were the times where there were battery-operated toys that just didn't work. And so you would have to be real smooth and and say, well, it must be the the battery must be in wrong, Steve. Uh, but what it's supposed to do is, you see, uh, Qui Gon uh, takes. So this was uh, one of the prequel toys. That was one of our last shows. Was 1999. That that was sort of the end of the Star Wars collectibles show on QVC. The problem was there was so much episode one product out in the stores and they couldn't get exclusive product for the show anymore. And so they had the same stuff that uh, Walmart was selling, but for more money. That was sort of the end of the line. It was a great gig while it lasted, but uh, episode one sort of blew it out of the water. But I had fun bringing the Lucasfilm, there would always be Lucasfilm content uh, from 96 on. We would get behind-the-scenes clips um, from some of the documentaries that had been done early on. Um, We would get new material for the special editions, some background material from episode one that we were able to show leading up to uh, the, the, the movie. That was my job as sort of the uh, content guy, and uh, as well as my true enthusiasm for the products that were being sold. <laughs> Although I have to say, there were times when I would look at something closely. We sold these uh, very nice tin trading cards that were in a tin oval box and case or whatever you want to call it and i happened to pick it up and i said and these are very limited edition and i said let me find out how many there are and i looked on the bottom and it said one of forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> and i said well that's what I think I said from a certain point of view, <laughs> because 50,000 of something isn't quite a limited edition. <laughs> I remember going down to San Diego once to a manufacturer. We did these um, really nice uh, photographic etched mini plaques. I mean, they're, you know, like two inches or three inches by maybe four or five inches. And it was screened, gold screened on. There would be photographs from the movies. And these were not inexpensive pieces, but they were really nice. And I went down to the um, to the place in San Diego where they were manufactured and uh, worked with the guys down there on what scenes that I think would be popular. 
and um, how things looked and making some choices and making some suggestions as to what could be packaged with what. And because I remember there were some, there was at least one that was a, a three pack in a really nice leatherette case. The whole purpose of the show was really to have items that you could not get anywhere else. And once that had sort of passed, and that was partially Lucasfilm's doing too, saying, oh, well, you know, we've got too many uh, retailers out there that are begging for exclusives, but with episode one coming up, we can't give anybody exclusives. And that really sort of, uh, that sort of killed the juice. Hearing you talk about it and thinking back, and I don't know if we ever made this connection, it was almost like, watching star wars celebration but on tv because it was exclusive merchandise and you were there and there was sometimes exclusive news that you didn't hear anywhere else and i know for for gabe and i sitting around in grand rapids michigan when we were in college watching it it was it like we had like a little star wars celebration in our living room of our apartment but did <laughs> right, you buy any of the stuff guys i got the hologram watches Ah, uh, yeah but we were poor college students, too. And the hologram watches, was that was affordable for us. There were so many things that I remember watching it that we wanted to get. Didn't Gabe, did you almost pull the trigger on the, the film strip suspenders and tie? <laughs> uh, I'm sure I thought about it, yeah. But I, was, I wasn't brave enough to pull the trigger. <laughs> well, I'm glad I have that because people always ask, what's the tackiest thing you have in your collection at Rancho Obi-Wan? And... That immediately comes to mind. <laughs> there, is there any chance of Rancho Obi-Wan re-releasing a, your own version of that to sell? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm afraid Lucasfilm wouldn't quite, uh, or Disney uh, wouldn't quite uh, go along with that these days. <laughs> we have a very limited merchandise with our logo on it, and that's about the size of it. Have you ever, in the in all the years past, have you ever heard from Steve Bryant again? Has he ever visited Rancho or shot you an email or anything? No, never have. Um, he's been long gone from QVC. I uh, hope he's doing well. He was um, he was very much into music. He uh, played the guitar and wrote his own songs and recorded an album. And so I don't know what's uh, what's become of him. I hope he's uh, still doing well. I know he's got a website out there. Gabe and I have wondered those same questions and found his website. And, yeah, he's recorded a lot of music, yeah. And he had a blog for a while, too. And uh, we always think it would be great if he showed up at a celebration because you, so many of the old QVC shows are on YouTube. And they're endlessly fascinating. But it was like he's such a huge enthusiastic excited fan like you'd think he maybe would want to go to a celebration one day well if he's invited i'm sure he would we got two years we let's we need to get him out to anaheim yeah two years oh my (laughs) let's let's hope so now it's limited to five thousand pieces you will get a certificate of authenticity attesting to that fact each one personally signed by the artist And given the fact, this would be a banner time, if you're already a science fiction collector or considering it, since in 1997, the new director's cut of the original Star Wars film will be out, then 1998, the new trilogy will begin. This would be a ground floor collecting opportunity, a chance to to jump in and get something that's available now that in 1998, there's going to be a scuffle. People are going to be looking around saying, wait a minute, what's available? What's on the market? 
Poster collecting has become one of the hotter areas of Star Wars because mm -hmm. you can store these things flat or in the tubes and uh, it doesn't take up as much space as some of the three-dimensional objects. So there are people with limited space by the posters yeah. and some of the other printed material. We have a little bit of a clip from Return of the Jedi to show you right now. Watch this, please. Well, like I said, we've done episodes, and we even a couple months ago, we did a, a commentary for a QVC special, and as we've said many times, we just love them, and uh, we'd like to think that we, we'd help get, expose a new audience to these QVC specials, people who had never even heard of them, um, and they're just such a time capsule. Of, so are there actually shows on YouTube that I'm on? Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I would have prepared for this podcast much better. <laughs> Although it might have been a little bit painful to uh to watch. Just remembering. I mean, I just I I really did love the experience and and I love working with uh with Steve with the people at Lucasfilm and the people at QVC were wonderful. I mean, they made me feel like a real celebrity i got there and uh there would be a makeup and hair person and i have never been subjected to a makeup and hair person before or since but it was uh it was great they would have a great uh table of snacks and in the in the mid 90s then the retail lady at lucasfilm would accompany me and she would be in the booth and she would uh, keep track of uh, of the sales and how they were doing as the show went along. So while we didn't have complete totals by the end of the show, we sort of knew whether it had been a, a great show or a medium show or a not-so-great show. That was obviously the way QVC was judging it. There were so many people that had to take a piece of it, though. I mean, there'd be the manufacturer, there'd be, at least in the beginning, the scoreboard, there would be QVC, and yet, I mean, the prices, the prices for the most part, were pretty reasonable for what they were. I think you missed out not getting those uh, ties and uh, suspenders and uh, belts. You have no idea how often I think about. I wish I would have bought those. <laughs> you can't even really find them anymore. They they must have all disintegrated. No, <laughs> not, not not the um, most elegant uh, piece of wearing apparel I'd ever seen. Those specials they they meant absolutely the world to us, and so for for your role that you played in them so many years ago now, thank you so much from from twenty year old Jason and Gabe to, to today. We 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 thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. You've you've shaped our lives, <laughs> whether you knew it or not. <laughs> well, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty scary now that you mention it that way. I think I'm going to have to have a special section at Rancho Obi Wan just for QVC merchandise. I've, it's sort of all throughout the collection, and you know, buried on back shelves. And but I've got all the plaques together in the still in the cardboard boxes and. Uh, these uh, the screen cards with the gold on it, and um, I come across those occasionally when I'm looking for things. And of course, the um, the pewter mugs, the signed comic book, the Al Williamson signed comic book, 
So, yeah, a lot of that stuff does, in fact, live here. In fact, probably most of the stuff, except for that damn 3D top sheet. I had to buy that on on eBay. Oh, well, at least you got it eventually. Uh, yeah, I was determined. <laughs> and this is something I've talked about this. I think the first time we ever worked together, I, I mentioned that I had read the first book in the trilogy. This author is phenomenal. Timothy Zahn has a way of painting these incredible word pictures and of course an audio cassette they're read by Anthony Daniels you get two or rather three two cassette books Anthony Daniels R2D2 doing the reading on Air to the Empire Dark Force Rising and The Last Command this picks up right where Return of the Jedi left off the rebellion still goes on because the Empire is starting to make a comeback. Right. The Empire still has some ships and lots of people out there, so it's not over yet. And we heard a lot in the movies about the Clone Wars, and this begins to explain what the Empire is doing. In essence, not, not to give away any of the plot from the books. We all know that, sadly, Rancho Obi-Wan is, is closed because of the pandemic. But how can uh, the listeners of Blast, Blast Points, how can people support the, the amazing work that you folks have going on over there? Well, there are two different ways, guys. Um, first of all, you can become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan. You go to RanchoObiWan.org and become an annual member. And for that, you get a membership kit. And um, that consists of an annual patch, a pin after your first year, a welcoming letter, really nice presentation. And you get to be able to do a tour of Branch Obi-Wan. And that will that tour possibility will continue for another year um, based on when we open again. We really can't do social distancing here, even when California allows indoor museums to open, because it's a fairly narrow space, and we take up to 12 people on our uh, guided tour, which lasts two to three hours. Um, and it's uh, either me or a docent telling all the stories behind the merchandise. And so we have to wait until this pandemic is really under control before we can have our tours again. But in the meantime, we brought forward something that we've been talking about for years and hadn't gotten around to, but uh, put into practice a couple of months ago, and that is the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. And so you can go to, again, RanchoObiWan.org and look at Virtual Museum. We have five different uh, subscription tiers at different prices, and we've been doing lots of video that are, we have video tours of the museum. We have lots of photos. We have a database with over 66,000 photos. We have texts that we write up. Uh, you can learn all about Rancho Obi-Wan, collectibles, events that we've been to, behind the scenes. Ann and I have to... Uh, um, I've been threatening to take her into the loft, the back loft where she's never been in 11 years and discover what's up there. I'm a little afraid to find out, too, but I know there's some treasures up there. So 
some store displays, some knockdown Star Wars furniture from uh, Return of the Jedi. So every month we have a poll. We take questions from subscribers. I'm redoing uh, sort of a uh, visual scouting the galaxy, which was the column I did for Star Wars Insider for many years. People ask the questions about collectibles. We have a little feature called Never Tell Me the Odds. You send in uh, four numbers, and we run those four numbers through. Everything is tagged with four numbers in our photo database. And, of course, there are many items, maybe six or seven pictures with a number. And so we get those six. We pull those six or seven pictures with that uh with that four-digit number, and we put them out there, and they could be just a whole melange of things, from Rancho Obi-Wan galas to to uh, behind the scenes at Celebration to some exciting collectible. And we do loyalty gifts depending on the amount of time that people have been subscribers. But mainly it's videos. There are interviews with me about my career, both at uh, um, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Wall Street Journal, writing Star Wars books, and, of course, at Lucasfilm and at Rancho Obi-Wan. So I'm told people find those interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess. Anne is wanting me to write. Nope. Anne, Anne Newman is the vice president and curator of Rancho Obi-Wan, and she's... Uh, She's uh, really uh, done a lot of work to uh, put this uh, uh, virtual museum together. And um, we've been doing it now for three months, I think. We'd like to expand the subscriber base. Um, So uh, take a look. You can go on there and and see some things for free until we can reopen again. It's our way of uh, serving fandom. We love it, and yeah, we we encourage um, all of our listeners to take a look and uh, yeah, help support the the wonderful Rancho Obi Wan because even although Gabe and I have never been, we were hoping one day to go. We're we're huge fans and huge supporters of your work, and we're, we're when we do go though, when when it's safe, we're we're going to be expecting this QVC section. Thing, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe you come here a day early and find. And put together the QVC section. <laughs> That's an offer you can't refuse. That's true. <laughs> we work for pizza, so we're good. You work for film strip uh, suspenders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah. If only I had bought three pair. Yeah, right. We, we would already be on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Steve Sands, we want, we thank you again so much for your time tonight. Uh, we yeah, we just love it so much. We love talking to you. We love yeah, hearing what you got going on and the QVC stuff. And we hope to uh, hopefully see you in a couple of years at Celebration 2022, or if not, uh, talk to you before then sometime. Who knows? Well, uh, that sounds great. And we certainly uh, plan to have Rancho Obi-Wan. We were uh, working on a big exhibit for uh, Celebration for this year, and we certainly hope to be there in 2022. So um, let's, uh, let's get this thing behind us, and um, we'll all have some fun with Star Wars. Well, thank you so much again. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure.
Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So you know the drill, you know what's going on. Apple Podcast Reviews, if you listen on some sort of Apple something or other, uh, go over there, write something nice about the show when you're done, and we will read a review on an upcoming show. We've got a bunch that we've got to read, and uh, oh yeah, I think definitely this month we will be able to get through some of your reviews all you good folks have left us. And after that, make sure you're checking out our website, lastpointspodcast.com. It's the best place to search through the back episodes if there's something you missed, something you're looking for. And after that, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're still on Facebook, you've got to be in the Super Chill group. You can just delete everything else and just be a part of this, the, the Blast Point Super Chill group on there. It's, it's a Star Wars celebration every day. And yeah, Jedi Club... The return of Jedi Club is just about a month away or so. So something to look forward to. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. Bonus episodes, again, in just about a month. Our Mandalorian weekly recaps are coming back on the Blast Points Army, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yep, and last month we did a commentary watching Strange Magic and answered your questions that patreon subscribers asked us and we have some uh some surprises to come uh in october before we get into mandalorian madness in november but yeah we've just got to thank steve sansweet again so much for yeah taking the time to talk to us about qvc yeah all we can say it's a dream come true with this is like i think when we started the podcast this is like wouldn't it be great <laughs> if we could have steve sansweet on to talk about the qvc specials I still can't believe it's real, really, at this point. <laughs> yeah, and he, like I said, he is so generous and just such a great listen to hear his stories, and it was perfect. <laughs> There's really not much else to say. Thank you so much. Support, Go support Rancho Obi-Wan if you can. I mean, their T-shirts and their mugs and everything are awesome. We'll have all the links for you to show some love to Rancho Obi-Wan in this episode's uh, show notes. Yeah, and it's really cool what they're doing, trying to keep the tours happening virtually and having things going on on the website is just such a great way to do it. So, yeah, any way you can support them, definitely. But that about wraps up episode number 238 here of Blast Points. We'll be back next week with more fun. And, uh, and yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Yeah.
Well, that was a trip down memory lane for me. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this gonna... is a, dream, a dream come true for us. So we, we've been wanting to talk to you about QVC forever. So thank you so much. Well, I hope I remembered enough stuff. Great. I'm Now I'm going to try to track down Steve Bryant. Yeah. I taped all of the ones that I was on, and we've transferred them to DVDs. The quality is um, mediocre <laughs> at best. But especially because of the transfer was That's, not done professionally. But uh, it's it's interesting. I haven't gone back to watch any of them in a long time. But maybe I'll uh, take a, 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 a trip down memory lane on YouTube. Yeah. Well, if you ever need help with those DVDs, you know you 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 know how to find us. So okay, That's a good <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever need someone to watch all fifty hours, let us know. <laughs> yes, we can transcribe them. We can, yeah. Well, now that binge watching has become so big, I mean, you know, nobody knew about binge watching back then. So, right. thank you again. Uh, oh, yeah, my pleasure. You have take, a good night. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. May the force be with all of you.